Hey, SLP Nation. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to express my gratitude and thank you as I received a dozen emails and half a dozen phone calls over the last few weeks regarding some specific questions on the topics I discussed in the last two episodes. I know that you're all focused on learning teletherapy and different ways to keep your practice afloat during these challenging times. So if you have any specific financial questions as it pertains to your practice, feel free to contact our team. Specifics regarding the CARES Act are changing daily, and it's important to stay on top of the latest information. You can find Find a spot on my calendar by heading over to utterlyfinancial.com. And with that being said, let's get into today's topic of incentive planning. I actually think it's pretty timely to be talking about this because some of the conversations I've been having over the last few weeks involves clinicians wanting to reward key employees who've gone above and beyond during the current COVID-19 crisis. These therapists have learned teletherapy, maintained caseload, and continue producing valuable revenue for the practice. These clinicians wanted to know how to reward these therapists for their contributions over the past few months, so I'll be talking about a couple of different ways to do that, either directly with cash bonuses or equity bonuses for each employee. So either way, you can strategize around these incentive plans to help grow the value of your business. And with that being said, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to SLP Money, an in-depth conversation for speech language pathologists and private practice owners on how to break through to the next level of your career and business. Join your host, Craig Goldslager, a financial advisor and certified exit planner, as he shares strategies and stories that will help you become more financially confident and better invest your time and money. You can learn more and stay up to date at utterlyfinancial.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of SLP Money. Today, we're going to be talking about ways to increase the value of your private practice by using a strategy called incentive planning. And these can also be called a regular bonus or a bonus plan. And so these techniques come in handy to combat one of the biggest challenges that all business owners face, which is the ability to attract top talent to come work for us, as well as motivating and retaining key employees on our staff. So that way they don't leave and jump ship and go work for another clinician, or that way they don't leave and create their own private practice. So if you are a clinician and you have employees working for you already, it's possible you already offer them benefits. So certain benefits you might be offering are health insurance or a retirement plan like a 401k. If that's the case, then you know that those type of benefits must be offered to all of your employees. There are rules, laws, and regulations that state you must offer these type of plans to all employees so long as they meet certain employment requirements and characteristics. But if they do meet those requirements, you have to offer them those type of benefits. What today's conversation is going to focus on are strategies to reward your most irreplaceable people. So depending on how you classify the incentive plan, you can reward certain people. Maybe it's your clinical director or your lead therapist and not your entire staff. So you might be wondering, why would I want to reward some of my people and not all of my people? Well, the truth is that some employees have a much more significant impact on your company than others. Maybe your lead therapist sees twice the caseload of your other therapists, or maybe your clinical director has started to assume more of the day-to-day responsibilities as you only come to the clinic four days a week now instead of five. Because of certain employees having more responsibility or working more hours than others, 
you might want to reward them for their dedication to help building your business into the profitable endeavor that it is. And so what you look to create with an incentive plan is a win-win with these key employees. So the employee is going to receive excess compensation on top of their annual salary, and you are going to benefit because you're going to increase the value of your company. So as the primary majority shareholder or sole shareholder of the business, increasing the value increases your net worth. So what are some of the characteristics of a good incentive plan or a bonus plan? So a good bonus plan is going to provide substantial financial rewards to your key people. So the bonus might have a range of, let's say, 20 to 40% of an employee's annual compensation. We find that range to be motivating to employees, substantial enough for them to want to hit whatever specific standards you implement in order for them to receive the bonus. So in order for these key people to receive this substantial bonus, they're going to have to hit certain performance metrics to achieve that. So for example, you might say to your lead therapist, I need your caseload to grow from 100 cases per month to 120 cases per month. By increasing her caseload, that specific performance standard is going to help increase the value of your company. So as the lead therapist hits her measurable and objective metric of increasing caseload, the company's gross revenue, net income will both increase. If the company's revenues and net income are not going to increase, then the key employee doesn't receive the bonus. At the end of the day, we need to remember, create that win-win situation. So we don't want to reward a key employee and have a drag on the overall performance of the business. A way to help protect the business is by having part of the bonus be deferred and subject to vesting. So what I mean by that is, let's say you want to create the bonus plan and the lead therapist hits the increasing caseload at the end of 12 months. Well, let's say the bonus is for $25,000. If I don't have any vesting or deferred components of the bonus, she'll get that check for $25,000 and she might leave and go start her private practice that she's had the desire to do. What I don't want to do is have that happen. So to prevent that, I'll put some standards investing procedures in there that state she'll get maybe $5,000 at the end of year one, another $5,000 at the end of year two, $5,000 at the end of years three, year four, and then year five. So if I set a five-year vesting standard, as long as my lead therapist stays with me for all five years, she'll receive that $5,000 annually for the five years. If she leaves at any point during those five years, she might only get, if she leaves, let's say at the end of year two, she'll only get the first two years of compensation. You might even structure it where she gets nothing if she leaves before those five years are up. So you want to make sure that the therapist stays with your practice, helps grow the value of the practice, and again, doesn't leave just because they're going to receive this large bonus check at the end of 12 months or whatever length of time you specify. The last part of a good incentive plan is making sure that the plan is communicated in writing to your key employee. So it should be easy to read. It should be communicated. You should be able to answer any questions that they have. There's no question out of bounds. There's no secrets being kept. 
the lead therapist knows exactly what she needs to do, grow her caseload to receive a bonus, in this case of $25,000. And she'll also know if I've implemented certain vesting schedules or if she'll have to forfeit certain amounts if she decides to leave before the end of the vesting period is up. So to bring this all more home, let's say that I'm a private practice owner and my lead therapist's name is Jane. And Jane's been working with me for 10 years and she's stressed to me several times that she really wants to own a private practice someday. She's had that desire. She just doesn't have the capital or the cash to open her own private practice today. So one of the ways I can motivate her and incentivize her to stay with my private practice is to create a bonus plan that would offer her equity in my business. So the reason why a equity or stock-based plan is an extremely powerful motivational tool is that it's going to tie Jane to my company by making her part of it. She's going to be extremely motivated to see the business grow in value because she's going to have stock in it. So if my business grows in value, there's going to be a direct increase in the value of her stock. By awarding and rewarding Jane with stock in the company, some of the things that I've weighed on my mind and considered to do this is knowing that Jane's been with me for a sufficient period of time. In this case, she's been with me for 10 years. I know that she's more motivated by stock than if she were to receive just a cash check. I'm also going to be prepared to give her a meaningful amount of stock. It's not just going to be 1% or 2% of my practice. Something that is meaningful to her that gives her the sense of true ownership in my business. And I'm also very comfortable with Jane and I'm going to be bringing her into the company's confidence and providing her with access to all different sorts of information regarding the company, including my own compensation and the perks that I take for being a private practice owner. Because once you issue stock to an employee, they do have the rights to look at company books and records. And they, again, she'll be able to see the compensation that I'm taking from the company. She might have voting rights depending on the type of stock that I issue. So you need to make sure that in this case, I know for sure that Jane is worthy of receiving stock compensation and becoming an equity-based partner in the business. So since I've already decided that I'd rather issue stock to Jane rather than a cash-based bonus, there's a couple different ways in which I can issue the stock. One way is through something called a non-qualified stock bonus, or the second is by making Jane purchase the stock. So let's say, for instance, that I want to issue Jane a non-qualified stock bonus. So she'll receive stock from the company at no cost. You might be thinking, well, why would I give the equity or shares to Jane for no charge? Why wouldn't she have to pay for the equity or receive some additional compensation? Again, this is to create incentive for Jane. So rather than giving her a cash bonus or making her come out of pocket to pay for the stock, I'm willing to give it as a bonus in order to increase the overall valuation of the business. So for instance, if I decide to issue 1,000 shares of my practice to Jane and each share is worth $100, 
she'll receive $100,000 of equity in the practice. So the benefit to the company up front is that the practice will receive an income tax deduction for the $100,000 of the stock bonus that I granted to Jane. And Jane will actually have to pay tax on that because it'll count as ordinary income in the year in which she receives the stock. Alternatively, I might install a restricted stock bonus plan, which would grant Jane a portion of the equity up front and then create a vesting schedule like we talked about earlier in order to make sure that she doesn't leave once she receives this full compensation. So for instance, I might grant her $20,000 worth of stock this year, which would be 200 shares. And then if she continues to hit the performance metrics, give her another 200 shares next year. 200 shares for the next few years until she reaches the fifth year in which I would have granted her all 1,000 shares and she would then have the full rights of the equity equivalent to the $100,000. So bonusing the equity to Jane is a really powerful tool because she doesn't necessarily have to come up with the cash up front to purchase the equity. She'll just have to take care of the tax on the stock once it's granted to her. If I didn't want to bonus the equity to Jane, I could come up with something called a stock purchase plan. Purchasing stock with a cash bonus would be the way that Jane could acquire stock from the corporation. If the stock is purchased at less than the fair market value, she'd have to pay taxable income on the difference between the fair market value of the stock and the price actually paid. And my practice would still receive an offsetting deduction for that difference. So while Jane might be motivated by stock, My clinical director, let's say her name is Jill. If Jill isn't interested in equity ownership in the practice, the way that I can motivate her and create an incentive plan would be a cash-based plan. And so there are three primary cash-based incentive plans. The first is called a non-qualified deferred compensation plan. The second is called a stock appreciation plan. And the third is a phantom stock plan. And so first, let's talk a little bit about what is a non-qualified deferred compensation plan. Non-qualified simply means that as long as certain requirements are met, the plan does not have to meet the formal funding, reporting, discrimination, or employee coverage requirements that are mandatory under certain types of bonus plans. So we talked earlier about offering a retirement plan or a 401k plan to your employees. The 401k would be considered a qualified plan, and the qualified plans are governed by the ERISA Act, which stands for the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. So a plan that is considered non-qualified would not be subject to the standards and protocols and testing requirements of ERISA. So a non-qualified deferred compensation plan is going to take on several of the characteristics we mentioned earlier when we talked about what makes a good incentive plan. So first, you're going to need some type of benefits formula, which will motivate the key employee, in this case, Jill, to increase my company's profitability. So unless the business meets its profitability objective, remember, Jill cannot meet her objective of receiving the additional compensation or bonus. I'll set a standard that makes it achievable and attainable for Jill to reach, but I need to make sure that I'm still receiving benefit and increasing the value of my practice. So I might decide to make 30% of my practice's taxable income above $100,000 available for the bonus. So if my company 
has $300,000 of taxable income this year, the formula would work that I take my $300,000 of taxable income, I subtract the $100,000 that I said is the baseline threshold for determining a bonus. So that leaves $200,000. I'll take 30% of that number, which would mean I would allow $60,000 to be afforded to Jill as the form of bonus and compensation. Second, I'll want to make sure that the non-qualified deferred compensation plan follows a vesting schedule, which keeps Jill tied to the company for the length necessary to become entitled for her to receive the benefits that have accrued under the benefits formula. Remember, I need her commitment to be with the practice for several years in order for me to meet my objective of growing the value of the practice to what I need it to be. Next, I'm going to make sure that the plan has forfeiture provisions to allow me to terminate Jill's otherwise vested rights if she violates terms of our agreement or terms that we've set in the contract to establish this bonus plan. So maybe she decides to leave the practice and start working with some of our top customers or maybe with the school district that we have a contract with. If that's the case, she would forfeit all of the deferred compensation in which she was entitled to because she violated terms of the agreement. So really forfeiture provisions are very important because they benefit the practice because they make sure that your former employees, even if they have fully vested rights, live up to the promises they made to you in your practice. So in addition to a non-qualified deferred compensation plan, there's another type of cash-based bonus plan called a phantom stock plan. And with a phantom stock plan, the private practice owner will give her employees something that looks like stock, feels like stock, grows like stock, and it can actually be turned into cash just like stock, but it's not actually stock. So typically these phantom shares correspond to actual shares of stock, but it's not actual ownership. And that's the main difference between, again, creating a cash-based bonus plan versus a stock-based bonus plan. So as the value of the true stock increases, so does the value of the employee's phantom stock. Any dividends paid on the stock are credited to an employee's account. And the main difference is that once the employee terminates her employment, the private practice would pay her the per share equivalent value of each of the phantom shares that have been vested over her time. So it works very similarly to some of the other strategies we mentioned earlier. It's just, it looks like stock. It feels like stock. It acts like stock. It's just not actual physical shares. So there's no ownership responsibilities or rights afforded to the employee. So the other benefit to the employer is that the amount paid at the end upon termination to the employee is deductible to the company. So again, another bonus of implementing these type of strategies are the tax benefits for using them. The last form of a cash-based bonus plan is something called a stock appreciation rights plan. So it's similar to a phantom stock plan in that the value of the benefits in the stock appreciation rights plan is tied to the value of the corporation stock. However, unlike a phantom stock plan, the employee under a stock appreciation rights plan is only entitled to receive the growth in the company value beginning on the date of the grant. So for example, let's say Jill, my clinical director, I want to grant her 2% of the company's value. So if my private practice is worth $1 million and I grant her 2%, her stock appreciation rights equal $20,000. 
when Jill decides to terminate employment, she'll receive the growth in the value between this 2% between the date I issued her the grant and her departure. So the stock appreciation rights plan is a very powerful technique if you want to really motivate these employees to have additional growth in the value of the business. So for instance, if there was no growth in the company and my valuation went from $1 million to $900,000 and Jill leaves the practice, well, she is not entitled to anything because there's no growth in the value of the company. So it's important to consider whether it's a phantom stock plan or a stock appreciation rights plan. Both plans incentivize Jill to grow the company value, just like I want the company value to grow as well. So to conclude today, I would encourage everyone to implement or start thinking about some of the following action items regarding incentive planning and your key employees. Do you have anyone on staff who you feel has a disproportionate value to the overall valuation of your company? Is someone impacting your revenues, your net income, your performance, and do they deserve to receive some extra form of compensation? If you can think of someone that does, then you need to think about, well, what would motivate them to remain my key employee? Are they more motivated by stock? Do they want to be an owner in the company? Or are they okay just receiving additional cash or compensation on top of their annual income? And then once that's decided, remember that there are those key characteristics to put in place, whether it's a stock-based plan or a cash-based plan. Remember, at the end of the day, what you're trying to create is a win-win situation. So if my practice today is valued at $1 million and I am 100% owner of that company, well, then the value to me is $1 million. If I decide to bonus 10% of the equity in my business to my lead therapist, assuming she hits her benchmarks and performance standards. Well, yes, I'll be giving away a portion of the practice, but let's say that she hits her standards and it increases the revenues and my valuation now is worth $1.2 million. So all of a sudden I am a 90% shareholder in a business that's worth $1.2 million which is the equivalent of $1.08 million. So that's larger than the original $1 million being a 100% owner. So hopefully that mathematical example will illustrate that by owning less than 100% of the business, those shares might be worth more than being the 100% owner of the business. So at the end of the day, that's creating the win-win situation in which you desire through an incentive plan Your key employee owns 10% of the business with, if it is worth $1.2 million, all of a sudden she now has the equivalent of $120,000 worth of equity in the business. I have 90% of a $1.2 million business and that's equivalent to $1.08 million. So we both win. She gets equity, my equity is worth more and we've grown the overall valuation of the business. So thank you for tuning in today, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon. You've been listening to SLP Money, hosted by Craig Goldslager. Want even more ideas on how to make smart financial decisions? Head on over to the Learning Center at utterlyfinancial.com, where you'll find more information for SLPs and private practice owners. While there, you can also schedule a complimentary 30-minute consultation with Craig. 
If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which will help more people discover SLP money. Thanks so much for listening. Materials discussed is for general and informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investing advice. While the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations may vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual and professional advice. Craig Goldslager is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 2 South Biscayne Boulevard, Suite 1740, Miami, Florida, 33131, 305-371-6333. Securities, products, and financial services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Utterly Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Craig Goldslager does not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to speech-language pathologists and private practice professionals. California Insurance License 0K78754-2020-94900, expiration 0222.